Pastor Xavier Reese, illuminating the darkness with the light of the Word. Fallen man, he's spiritually blind, living in darkness and bondage. And it takes the gospel, the light of the gospel, the Holy Spirit to convict me of sin and to show me my true nature and my true condition as God's wrath is upon me. But he gives me a way out, an escape, to trust Jesus for what he did for me as he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The reason to buy life insurance is because when it comes down to it, there are no assurances in life. However, when it comes to your eternity, Pastor Xavier explains how the risen Christ offers the assurance we no longer have to die an eternal death because we receive eternal life through Him. That's the simple truth unpacked today in a special Easter message entitled, Life and Resurrection. Let's listen. Job asked a question about the resurrection as well as giving the answer. In Job 14.14, he says, If a man dies, shall he live again? And then Job affirms his question in the positive. All the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. Job understood that one day he would stand on this very earth in a glorified body. He would be changed. Now the resurrection of the Old Testament is not as clear as in the New, but they believe it wholeheartedly. Be careful of thinking that you have to understand everything to its full end to believe it to be true from God's perspective. There are so many things that we can understand so clearly that why would a little that I would not understand clearly bother me It's based on God's character. Every person will be resurrected. The question is, on what side of the resurrection will you be in? Science says, regarding resurrection, he may live again. Philosophy says, he hopes to live again. Ethics says, he ought to live again. Atheism says, he will never live again. But Jesus Christ says, he shall live again. There's the authority, the ultimate authority. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only hope given to mankind to live abundantly here while on earth and then to be resurrected for all eternity to spend with God. We are the only ones that have any hope of life after death because life is defined by your relationship to God. Apart from God, there is no life. In fact, we're said to be dead in trespasses and sins before we were born again. The question to you is, if you died right now, would you live eternally with Jesus? That's not based on your good works. It's not based whether you go to church once or twice a year on Easter and Christmas. It's based upon your personal relationship in Jesus Christ, based on the resurrection that he said, I'm the... I'm the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I died for your sins. You must repent of your sins. That is the basis by which you get to enter heaven. So what I want to do is speak to you on the, um, what the Bible says about life, death, that leads to resurrection. If we're going to find spiritual and eternal and godly answers, then we must go to the source of God's word. 
Everything else is speculation. So let's begin with asking some questions. Where did life and death have its beginning? Secondly, we want to say and ask, what were the consequences of sin and death to the human race from the beginning? And then we'll finish off with the question, what can man do about sin and death in order to live as God intended from the beginning? And God gives us all these answers. Let's begin here with the question, where did life and death have its beginning? Again, Genesis, the book of beginnings. In Genesis chapter 2, as you know, the origin of life began there in the garden. Being a beautiful garden that God made, he created the garden, put Adam and Eve in it, he gave them all the provisions there in chapter 2. He said, of all that's in the garden you can eat, but one thing you cannot eat. Wow, that's all we need to do, right? Just that one thing. We have everything, but that one thing just makes you go crazy. And so God informed the day that we would eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they will surely die in chapter 2 of Genesis 16 and 17. Now, that wasn't a threat. That was just an information. Information is good if you believe it and pay attention to it. The warning to them was that in the day that you eat, dying, you shall die. The literal Hebrew says that, and it's so accurate. Because the minute, now after the fall, the minute a baby is born, though we go celebrate its birth, we, we really are witnessing the beginning of his death. Uh, the first breath, the first cry is the beginning of death. So he starts dying in the first cry. And from that point on, he's dying, 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 one year old, dying, 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 12 years old, dying, 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 25 years old, dying, 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 71 years old. And 75, he really dies altogether. Just exactly what God said. You see, because you're young, you're strong, you say, ah, I'm alive. No, you're dying. You're headed towards your destination, unless God comes back before that. One of these days, they're going to roll you up, and they're going to put you in a little box. Those of you in the box are not even going to put your shoes on you. Everything you've, you've ever worked for is going to be left behind. You're not going to pull a, a U-Haul behind your hearse. You're going to leave it to somebody else to enjoy all your hard work. That's the reality of life. The origin of evil and temptation began also there in the Garden of Eden through deception. The enemy and the rebel Satan, as you know, in chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, he engaged in conversation with Eve and her thoughts and her curiosity enticed her to carry that conversation on. Satan challenged God's word, has God indeed said, you shall not die of every, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Has God said that? The enemy then challenged God with wanting to control and limit their potential in verse 4 and 5 of chapter 3. Satan straight out contradicted God's warning, the promise of death. You shall not surely die. And so this is the lie during life through Satan. You can do this, that, and get away with it. And sometimes, you know, we do it, and nothing happens. We go, all right. But it gets you later on. If it doesn't get you now, be patient. It'll get you later. You can't escape sin and its consequences. Nobody. Satan attacked the goodness of God, for God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So God wants to limit you. God wants to constrain your independence, when in fact, when you limit choices to your children, and you say no to your children as they're growing, you are protecting them, loving them, not limiting them. And your protection and love at that point will secure their liberty to choose later on. In chapter 3, verse 6 through 7, the origin of the crime of the garden was through disobedience then. 
because God made you a free moral agent. And prior to the fall, Adam was a free moral agent. After the fall, he's still a free moral agent to an extent in that he can do what he wants. Though he's in bondage to sin, he still do what he wants. The woman ate of the fruit in Genesis 3, 6. She saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, you know, it attracts us, captivates us. She saw it was pleasant for the eye, the lust of the eye, it draws us, it, it lures us in. And she saw the desirable to make one wise, the pride of life, thinking that I can make that choice, I can do this, and I'll be okay, I know what I'm doing. And the truth of the matter is that we, we don't know what we're doing. Most of the time we just want to let people think we know what we're doing, but we really don't. Because God's the only one who knows how to live life. She ate of the fruit in direct obedience to God, and then she gave to her husband. And he ate willfully. So Eve was deceived, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, but Adam transgressed. He knew exactly what he was doing. Therefore, the fall is attributed to Adam, not to Eve. First, he's the federal head of the human race. He was created first. Secondly, he did not oversee his home. He's responsible for that headship and for the whole human race. They were both naked, trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. And that's man always excusing themselves, justifying themselves, making all kinds of explanations why they do and why they are and what everything else. But it doesn't matter. Destruction still follows, right? The biggest lie of our age in terms of marriage and divorce. Oh, we're the best of friends. We're better than ever before. Liar. If you were better, you'd be married. But we explain everything away. We explain our misery away with a smile. The origin of death was also in the Garden of Eden then. From Genesis 3 on down to 5, God pursued his children. They didn't come to him. Immediately when they ate, spiritual death took place, fellowship broken with God. Death began immediately. It didn't show up till later on, hundreds of years later. But it began right away. God was seeking acknowledgement, confession, and repentance. You as a parent, that's what you're seeking from your children when they blow it, when they do something. You want them to acknowledge. You want them to confess it because you want to take care of it, resolve it so they can move on for their good. That's God. So God pronounced the curse, but he did it in order. Serpent first, then Eve, then Adam. So you have their, their, their positions of responsibility. The higher is Satan. He was in heaven. He's a deceiver, and so on and so forth. God is just. So God expelled them from the garden in Genesis 3.15 and on down. And why? Because God hated them? No, because God loved them. He took them out of the garden so they would not eat of the tree of life of good and evil. Now, in a fallen state, to live eternally in that fallen state. So God booted them out, put the cherub there with the flaming sword so that they might partake of the tree of life, Jesus Christ, down the road. If they would have partaken, the redemption of Genesis 3.15 would have been impossible. So that closing off was love at its highest. Sometimes you may have difficulty with a child of yours, a teenage boy or woman or whatever, and you have to boot them out of your home because you've tried everything and you know that you're, you're, nothing is going to work. You've got to let them hit bottom. And do you do it because you hate your child? Of course not. You're doing it as the last resort, the only way they may make it back. God's protection. God promised that death would be experienced by them the minute they die. Well, when they saw their first son Abel dead, they didn't know. Death? What's death? Never seen death. All of a sudden, they walk up. There's Abel. 
Oh, that's death. Never seen it. Just seconds ago, minutes ago, he's talking. Now he's laying there. Oh, that's what you meant. God recorded the long line of deaths in chapter 5, 23, all the way on down. And he gives us there the different ages of people who live, they die, live. But everyone, after all of them, is consistent. They died, they died, they died, they died. If the Lord tarries, you will die. I will die. I never thought I would be so old. But here I am. Just yesterday, I was 18. Time flies. And if God tarries, I will die one day. But only physically. I'll be instantly present before the Lord. But if I didn't know the Lord, if I would have died when I got hit head on on my chopper in 1969, and I would have never come out of that coma and died, I would have been lost. I would have been in hell right now. You see everybody in hell this morning? They're, they're, they're not doubters. They're all believers. But it's too late. Can't help them. Your reservation for heaven has to be made before you die, not afterwards. Anybody who gives you hope of making reservation afterwards a liar, a deceiver. Get away from them. Have you ever had your son or daughter break something in the house? You're leaving. You say, listen, behave yourselves. Don't mess nothing up. Well, a minute before you were not the driveway. Here they are, midair. They're jumping from bed to bed or whatever. And you come back, and they've just tore up something, okay? Your, your mom's china that she gave to you. And they start giving you the lamest story in the world. You're already mad about what they did. Now you're madder because they think you're stupid enough to believe that story. <laughs> Why is it that we don't get as mad about people that try to make some kind of fabricated system of belief to explain the origin and the nature of man and the world that is so offensive to the scriptures and so contrary to the scriptures. It's insulting to the intellect of man. And yet we embrace it at the rejection of God's word. The Bible is very clear that sin produces death every Day people die, young, old, healthy, sick. Death respects no one. Poor, it makes no difference. No one's excluded. But not as obvious, every person walking around. I used to be there before I came to the Lord, the same with you. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, I, I hate to give you your prognosis, you're dead. You're walking around, you can handle things. You can laugh, but according to the scriptures, you're, you're dead in trespasses and sins. What God made you for, you have no idea about. He made you for himself. And spiritually, you're dead. You function on the physical level, the emotional level, but the spiritual. Now, you can even be religious. You can be devout. You're still dead because it must be a relationship with Jesus Christ that makes you alive. Your spirit, that's the real you. It's appointed unto men to die once, and after that, the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27 says, so believer and non-believer will both be judged. The believer rewarded for his motives and the non-believer for rejecting the gospel. And it's for eternity, either with God or separated from God. Now, no one does this with the smack of the lips and the dangle people over hell. No, it's just the, it's just, it's just the truth. If somebody told you and said, listen, don't, don't, you got to slow down at the end of this freeway because there's a, there was a barricade there and somebody's knocked down, there's nothing there, and, and if you don't watch it, you're going to go right over the end of the freeway. Would that make you mad? 
You would be very thankful to the person. And yet we warn people you're going to hell and they get mad at you. It's a warning of love, not a self-righteousness. I, I deserve hell. I don't merit heaven. I get there because of Jesus. The Bible says that man is temporal and has a beginning and end of life. So I had a birthday, February 23rd, 1950, and I don't know my death date, but hopefully my life encompasses more than just a hyphen. <laughs> if I'm not born again, my life is just bound up in that, a hyphen. Makes no difference how much I accomplish, how much money I have, how many things I have, what, all the works I do, it means nothing before God. But if I acknowledge God, then between my life and my death, then that life can be useful to others. It can be abundant for me, for those around me. Everybody today attempts to deny the aging process, and we constantly try to outthink God and outtrick God, even though we don't believe Him, we try to work against Him. <laughs> and so you've got a lot of people doing all this, uh, you know, plastic surgery and everything else. Man, they look good. <laughs> but they're going to die right on time. It's going to take a little longer to decompose up in Rose Hills, but, <laughs> and you'll be the good-looking corpse up there, but it doesn't make any difference. You're still going to die on time. You know, some of us eat a little better, exercise, stuff like that, and that's nothing wrong with that in itself as long as you're not worshiping it. But I'm going to die eventually unless the Lord comes back before I die. No one can escape it. And the horror of death hits us hard when we love someone and they're no longer there. It grieves us. We cry because we love them. We'll miss them. But hopefully it's not because we don't know where they're at. Our tears are because we love them, not because we don't know where they're at or they're Christians. But the tears also can be because we know where they're at, not in heaven, because we know they rejected the gospel. And that's a heavy grief that we have to place at the feet of Jesus, lest it consume us. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. The inward man is re renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal way to glory. Well, we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, the things that are not seen are eternal. Everything that you can touch, it's, it's going to decay. It's decaying right now. The first nail they drive in a new house, it starts decaying. The minute that baby's born, he starts dying. Nothing's forever here. The Bible says that every person will be judged by God. Man is the creation of God. We have not invented God. Man didn't just evolve. Man is a moral, ethical being, knowing right from wrong. Completely separate from the animal kingdom. When's the last time you saw a dog go file his income tax? Or be embarrassed when they're doing whatever in front of people? They're animals. God is giving you a conscience, your moral being. You make decisions. Men and women are accountable to their creator, their thoughts, their deeds, everything they do. Ecclesiastes 11, 9 says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Whoa. Every person will stand before Christ if they're not born again and have to give an account for everything they ever thought and did. Whoa, that is scary. Life and death had their beginning in the Garden of Eden. 
could have been like that forever. It was a choice. Secondly, what were the consequences of sin and death to the human race from the beginning then? The obedience of Adam as the federal head of man was recognized by God as acting and affecting the entire race of man. Romans 5.12. Sin came in by one man and death through sin. There's no other way we can explain death. It's through sin. One man. He's the federal head. Through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. As Romans 5.12 said there. Through Adam's fall, death spread to everybody and through Adam, that physical death began and that spiritual death took place instantly, instantly. And yet Adam lived 130 years and he begot sons in his own likeness after his own image, fallen image. So in other words, every young baby that was born after Adam was just like Adam, a little sinner. Even your child that might be 10 months old, 11 months old, a year and a half, and you try to correct them as innocent as they are from our perspective. Don't do that. And it's the first time they just look at you. And then, and then they'll, they'll, before they're going to get it again, they go like this. They look at you and they go, they know that's wrong. They're rebellious. The result of being a race of fallen men and women then is that all have fallen short of the glory of God. None merit up to it, Romans 3.23. All are called children of disobedience. We run according to the course of the prince of the power of the air. We are called the children of wrath in Ephesians 2, 2, and 3. This is God saying this about us, okay? Because if you're going to love somebody, you have to tell them the truth. We are said to be without Christ, having no hope without God in the world. One of the darkest descriptions in Ephesians 2, 12 in the Bible. We're called children of the devil in 1 John 3, 10. We're capable of the most horrific things. We can lie, we can cheat. We can betray the closest person to our heart. We can commit adultery. We can betray a nation. That's our potential. There's not one that's good, except we're all good for nothing. We're all under sin, guilty before God. If we say we have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we lie and don't have the truth, First John 1, 6 says. If we say we have no sin nature, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us, First John 1, 8. If we say that death is not related to the record of the fall of Adam and Eve, then how do we explain death? We can't. There are people, and you know them, and I know some, who are perpetual liars, everything they say. And they've lived their life like that for so long that for you to even try to confront them, they would deny it, they would explain it away, they would justify it, but they wouldn't see it. Because that's where they live. This is exactly the problem with fallen man. He's spiritually blind living in darkness and bondage. You used to be there if you were born again. I used to be there. And it takes the gospel, the light of the gospel, the Holy Spirit to convict me of sin and to show me my true nature and my true condition as God's wrath is upon me. But he gives me a way out, an escape, to trust Jesus for what he did for me as he died on the cross and rose from the dead. That is my hope. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? 
Pastor Xavier Reese has been offering the hope of the risen Lord, of death swallowed up in victory, victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you can hear this study again anytime online if you like, simply by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But if you'd like your own personal copy of today's powerful message, you can ask for it by name. It's called Life and Resurrection, and you can request it on CD for just $4. Once again, it's called Life and Resurrection. And here's how you can reach us. Write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you let us know the call letters of this station when you contact us. Next time, more Simple Truths of Life Leading to Resurrection. Join Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.